Welcome to the Adelphoi Podcast. I'm Jamie Masters, and I'm speaking to you from the North London outpost of Adelphoi Music. Last year, 2019, marked the 25th anniversary of the Intel Bongs, one of the world's most successful Sonic logos. You probably know it. I think I've got it somewhere. Let me have a look. Uh, yes, here it is. Now, when that debuted in 1994, it was the audio part of an animated logo graphic designed to appear on their TV ads. And it was the latest stage in an already pretty successful logo-based campaign, which was about drawing people's attention to the processor inside the computers. That Intel Inside campaign had been building since 1991, with this new element of animation and audio signature added in about three years later. In 1991, Intel already had the largest market share in microprocessor manufacturing, and it was developing ever faster chips with ever larger memories. But no one had actually heard of it unless they were involved in the industry. By the beginning of the 2000s, thanks largely to that audiovisual branding campaign, the Intel brand had become a household name and was ranked the sixth most valuable brand in the world. Intel is still probably the only processor brand anyone has ever heard of. That Sonic logo is still in use. It sounds a bit bigger, and has a few more bells and whistles, and this is the version they've been using for about 15 years now. I'm sorry, that's not the right one. My assistant, Eddie, has clearly messed up again. Uh, sorry. Come on, Eddie. So's about that. So, here's the, here's the right one. It's still pretty well known, maybe not as much as it used to be, but there was a recent poll of Sonic logos by Veritonic, an audio testing company, and in that poll Intel earned a respectable middle ranking for recognisability and brand attribution. That's some way behind McDonald's, say, but still easier to identify than others like Xbox, Audi, or BMW. Intel certainly wasn't the first example of a company using audio as a branding element. I mean, far from it. But it was revolutionary in its impact. It turned heads. It did change perceptions. And over time, it seemed to open a lot of people's minds to what audio could do for a brand. Coincidentally, it was during the same period, the late 90s and early 2000s, that audio branding began to develop into a coherent set of principles, a philosophy, an industry. And for these early audio branders, Intel became a poster child. It was incontrovertible proof that a strong audio identity could revolutionise a brand's fortunes. Twenty years on, audio branding has evolved, but the influence of Intel is still deeply ingrained in contemporary practice. In some ways, Intel came to define audio branding, and we still see it routinely used as a point of reference in the industry. Which seems strange, because the Intel Sonic is a very eccentric example of an audio identity. It spawned a fair number of imitations, but hardly any came close to recreating its extraordinary success. And as I see it, that's because so few brands seemed to take account of what that success was really about. 
Part of it comes down to timing. Let me take you back to the 1980s. No, not those 1980s. These. It's a good time for the great taste. And value. It's a very different world from an advertising point of view. It's the era of the sung jingle. This is especially true of the USA. If you switch on the TV and happen to catch an ad, there's a better than one in three chance that it will have a sung jingle in it with an explicit mention of the brand name. And this is not just kids' toys and food products. This is airlines... Banks, car companies, tech companies. At the upper end of the scale, sung jingles had developed into a fine art. They were slickly produced, they were catchy, they were emotionally engaging. The big production numbers had become a kind of brand status symbol. The big players, one could mention McDonald's, Wrigley's, Kellogg's, Coca-Cola, seemed to take pride in delivering a new jingle every few years. Jingles were never the height of cool, but that was a small price to pay. They were devastatingly effective. People liked them, they remembered them, they would go around singing them. And from personal experience, I can confirm that they've stayed in my brain for decades and continue in their way to colour my attitudes to some hundreds of brands. It's small wonder that they were used so widely. But by 1994, the peak of jingle fever was over. Jingles didn't disappear completely, but there was clearly a bit of a backlash against them, and the number of sung jingles fell dramatically. For the rest of the decade, maybe 5 to 10% of ads had them, way down from their peak of 40%. So when Intel's Sonic first appeared, it was during that backlash period, and everything about it felt like the complete antithesis of traditional ad music, and especially of sung brand jingles. As music, it was deadpan, almost expressionless, just an introductory keynote, and four notes punched out deliberately like some kind of call sign. It was harmonically ambiguous, it sat on the fence, it, it didn't, didn't have any chords going with it, and the tune avoided those modal pitches that would identify it as being either in a major key or a minor key. Well, let me show you what I mean. Here's a major chord, and here's a minor chord, and the difference between them is this note here. And if I take it out and never play it, then what's left is neither major nor minor, just a sort of in-between state. I can add this note in as well, and this one, and it still has the same effect. It feels kind of elemental and pure. It's quite sciency. It avoids any kind of messy emotional commitment. And there's no real end to it, there's no conclusion. A sense of arrival. 
Compare it with this old jingle from the 1970s, which uses the same set of notes. For mash, get smash. That's got the harmony and a warm, reassuring sense of finality, which this version doesn't. For mash, get smash. Well, it's a bit of whimsy. Anyway, back to Intel. It was ambiguous in timbre too, the way it mixed electronics with layers of different samples. But in the early versions, it forefronted the dry, wooden tone of the marimba. All in all, it felt inconclusive, but auspicious. Abstract, but powerful. So let's just check that with our focus group. Susie, what do you think? I think it's a bit inconclusive and abstract. And Eddie? I think it's auspicious and powerful. Good work. Well done. So, can I play Clash of Clans again? Oh, if you insist. And Intel had another trick up its sleeve. As well as putting out its own TV ads, Intel had struck a deal with the computer companies it was supplying chips for, where it effectively subsidised their advertising in return for a mention in all ads for computers that used Intel microprocessors. And it turned out it was more than just a mention they were after. Intel insisted on the whole of its three-second logo animation being played at some point in the ad. Sometimes at the end, but sometimes crowbarred into the middle of an ad at the moment the Intel name was mentioned, just cutting into whatever had been going on previously, grabbing a few seconds of undivided attention, and then vaulting off again as if nothing had happened. Our home entertainment system has the latest Intel Pentium 2 processor. It gives you awesome graphics. The home studio system has an Intel Pentium 2 processor. See it all together at your... I don't know of any other brand that was able to pull off that trick. And as a way of highlighting the brand identity, I can't think of anything else that would work so effectively. So, success seems to have come down to a few key factors. First, the Sonic logo was very different from other brand themes of the time. It was self-contained and fully formed, not a cut-down of a longer piece. Most instrumental brand themes were originally derived from a sung jingle, and this was not. We know that the composer Walter Verzova took inspiration from the rhythm of the words Intel Inside, but the tune was never sung and was never meant to be. And the second factor was that thanks to that deal with the computer manufacturers, it had tons of exposure. Not just airtime, but clear, spotlit airtime. The whole logo animation was allowed to play out without any interference from anything else in the ad. It was usually presented as a call and response. The ad voiceover would mention the word Intel as a product feature, and this would trigger the Intel moment. This is 799 for this Toshiba Satellite 850 laptop with Intel Centrino mobile technology. Wafer thin, super lightweight. It was never incorporated, it wasn't assimilated. It would appear in a different key from the main music in the ad. It was always something separate. It, it stood out jaggedly, defiantly, drawing attention to itself. Wherever there happens to be. The Intel Pentium Processor. 
There's one more factor worth mentioning, which only became clear over time. The Sonic stayed the same for years. OK, so yes, some new versions were produced, but they were all fairly obviously cut from the same cloth, and at any given time, only one version was on the air. So here's the original again. Oh, I, I'm sorry, that, that shouldn't be in there. Not even sure what that is. Eddie! What is it? I'm kind of busy. Do you, do you think you could come back and sort these out properly? Uh, yeah, look, anyway, I think this is the right one. Yeah, good. Here's the Pentium 3 version, which is a bit grander. It's got a bit more going on, and that was used from about 1999 onwards. No, that is not right. Eddie? Eddie, you're losing the plot. Can you just give me the right one, will you? Thank you. And here's what they use now. Not actually very different. So it was refreshed from time to time to make it sound more awesome and techy. But it was never adapted to suit different contexts or different types of ads, which made it different from the usual practice of the time where brand music would routinely be recorded in several different versions, often in different styles, to go over ads with different scenarios or different target audiences. And that was true of jingles too. Thanks to all that exposure over so many years, the Intel Sonic became very familiar. And though its primary function was to accompany and amplify the logo animation, it began to be recognised as a Sonic logo in its own right. And that above all was what impressed the marketing industry. At a time when the traditional sung jingle was beginning to sound passé, Intel appeared to be able to achieve the same ends with a single, short snippet of audio. A piece produced without the expense of lyricists, arrangers, studio engineers, session singers and instrumentalists. Just one composer and a computer. The music itself, the content, played a role in Intel's success, of course. And it's easy to see how that kind of impressively glossy, authoritative, abstract, technological style might work for a 1990s tech brand interested in conveying ideas about power, progress, and computery magic. So, Eddie, what does it, what does it say to you? It sounds like power and progress and computery magic. Yes, that's what I thought too. Must be true. But let me say it again. Its familiarity and its strong identification with the Intel brand name had above all to do with prominent repetition, ad after ad. In that sense, it was just like a traditional jingle, in fact, it, except that it didn't stop after a few years. Intel didn't seem to worry about people getting bored. It just stuck to its guns and kept on putting out the same thing year after year. No, no, not that one. Oh, for goodness sake. No, not that one, no. Right, OK, let's just get on. By the early 2000s, when I started as a commercial composer, Intel had made enough of an impression on the marketing industry that companies were getting interested in emulating their success. But not every brand could afford the kind of exposure that Intel had enjoyed. 
So they seized on those parts of the Intel phenomenon that looked easiest to replicate, which were the qualities of the Sonic itself and all the ways in which it differed from a sung jingle. So it was a short melodic cell, a four-note theme over an introductory tone, all in all less than three seconds long. It was abstract and unemotional. It had that elemental quality that came from avoiding those modal tones. It wasn't sung, and it didn't mention the brand name. And this became the template for the first wave of what became known as brand mnemonics, in recognition of the role they were supposed to play in recalling a brand to mind. Most were quickly forgotten. From that period, I can only think of Deutsche Telekom, known as T-Mobile outside Germany, whose Sonic debuted in 1999 and is still in use today. They seem to have grasped that success by this route depended on relentless, sustained repetition of a simple, unchanging piece of audio. Few brands were able to show that level of commitment, and most when they failed to see any immediate uplift in sales, that their Sonics fall into disuse. This was also the time of the first specialist audio branding companies, which, to their credit, took a more thoughtful view. And they began to theorise about a broader audio strategy, of which the Sonic logo would be only a part, a figurehead. Their ideas actually took inspiration from the sophisticated musical tactics developed over decades of mainstream advertising, and had little to do with an outlier like Intel. But Intel's example immediately weighed them down like a millstone. It couldn't be ignored, because it became their most persuasive evidence. But it skewed the whole nature of the project, because it was such a particular case. Under Intel's influence, brands were led to believe that the mnemonic was the be-all and end-all, and that success on the scale of Intel was within the reach of any brand with the right kind of mnemonic. And there was something more. Probably because of the austere, abstract quality of the Intel theme, which, frankly, came across as more a, a pitch sequence than a tune, brands and agencies began to fall in love with the idea that a brand's essence could be encoded in a sequence of four or five memorable notes, and that by some mystical psychological process, this would seed itself in the brains of anyone who heard it. Well, all of that was at best only ever half true, and the part that was true had been common knowledge for as long as there had been broadcast advertising. It was no great revelation that music has a unique, entrancing effect on people. No great revelation that we get tunes into our heads and remember them, sometimes for years afterwards. No revelation that memory depends on repetition, and with repetition, any piece of music can be mentally associated with any idea. Other brands had already succeeded, long before Intel, in compressing their audio identity into a short musical phrase. I mean, for instance, Cadbury's Milk Tray series from the 1960s and 1970s. Still others had learned the trick of abbreviating a well-known jingle into a simple instrumental end tag and using consumers' memory of the words to make the connection with the brand. Here's a jingle for Old Spice from 1957, 
in the days when they were playing up the nautical angle that's actually still visible in their graphic logo. Old Spice means quality, said the captain to the bosun. So ask for the package with the ship that sailed the ocean. By the 70s, it had been cut down to a short, whistled sign-off like this. And that's still being used as a brand theme today, 60 years after the original jingle. So short thematic tags were hardly a new thing. Intel was remarkable only in the degree to which it pushed the idea of compression and abstraction, the way it severed itself from any larger musical context, and in its innovative way of inhabiting other brands' commercials. Intel succeeded, but as a template for other brands, it was little short of a disaster. Abstraction and abbreviation are just really poor strategies for audio branding, compared with longer brand themes and sung jingles. I'm sorry to be so obvious, but if the point of the Sonic logo is to recall the brand name through audio alone, why not include the brand name in the audio? An instrumental melody takes years of pummeling to drum the association into people's minds. A lyric achieves that in an instant. If the point of audio branding is to make an emotional connection, a single disembodied melodic cell stands a much lower chance of success than a full melody. It's true that even very short snippets of audio can convey meanings, but three seconds and four notes is not enough for anyone to engage with or be moved by. So, the Sonic logo has some serious downsides as a format. There have been some very successful Sonic logos, of course, but, you know, just not that many, and we haven't seen the audio branding revolution that's been expected since the early 2000s. Why that is, is a big, interesting question, which I'm not going to try to answer properly here, but I certainly want to float the idea that the Intel-style format is part of the problem. But here's another question. If it's obvious that Sonic logos are bad at conveying brand names, and make less of an emotional connection than sung jingles and full instrumental melodies, why did anyone buy into the idea at all? There are several good reasons. Here's one. If a Sonic is repeated often enough that it does get to the point where people recognise the brand name from the sound alone, it can really stand out on audio platforms like radio. That's certainly the story with McDonald's, which I've heard countless times in my local cafe while I was reading or doing a crossword. I mean, that kind of ability to grab the attention is one of music's superpowers, and it's one of audio branding's big selling points. But when it comes to it, the big reason for choosing sonic logos over sung jingles is that songs with brand names in them sound too old school, too salesy, and for some brands at least, there's always going to be something distasteful and uncool about being so overt, so so cheesy and commercial. Or if, like in the UK, the whole market is quite jingle-averse, then a Sonic logo is a way to go, because it's more oblique and less direct. 
Now, to be honest, I've always felt the opposite problem, that instrumental sonics are too coy and aloof. And I appreciate the ones that are more overt and actually do try to give me something to engage with. In the UK, one of my favourites is the, the whistling one from TSB. In a way, the sonic itself is nothing to write home about, but it's the first phrase of a long, complex, evolving tune that you hear over the course of the ad. And when you hear the sonic, you can kind of restart the whole tune in your head. Yeah, Eddie likes this one too, don't you, Eddie? Well, it's it's very likeable, innocent. The fact that it's with um, the re- it's a part of the rest of the tune makes it work because when you, you when you hear it you hear the whole tune and then you hear the da 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 at the end and you you can tell that that bit is different from the tune but they work together but it, and it's it's really sweet and it's it's nice and it's it's like a bird except tuned tuned bird, tuned bird. It's, it's like a tuned bird thanks eddie I also like Sonics where they do sing the brand name. There's some great examples from the US. Uh, Liberty Mutual Insurance. Liberty, 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 Liberty. And Farmers Insurance. We are farmers. Bum, 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 bum. There's something wholehearted and unabashed about them that really wins me over. Now these are all Sonics that haven't been created in the shadow of Intel. And to be fair to the audio branding industry... It was never only about following Intel's lead. And in fact, it continued to make use of older, well-tried techniques, including occasionally sung brand names. But Intel's influence was palpable and continues to be felt in the way that the three-second, four- or five-note Sonic logo still dominates as the standard model of an audio identity. And surely we've got to the point where we can leave it behind. This podcast was brought to you by Adelphoi Music Limited. Adelphoi Music is a music company based in the heart of London and Amsterdam, connecting brands with their audiences through music and sound.